the most asked question among Christians, believers, is how do I know the will of God in my life? It's the most asked question. What is God's plan for my life? How can I know God's will in my life? And then, how do I know that it is God's will for my life and not a trick of the devil to get me off track? I've read, and I shared this with you also, the last message is that that whenever there's a seminar or a conference and and the advertised title is that, um, you know, come and discern the will of God for your life, they say that seminar or conference sold out before you even get there. Well, obviously, people want to know. People are longing to discover God's will and His plan for their life. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Single people, listen carefully. I know the question you have. Is it the will of God for me to marry? And if it's so, to whom am I supposed to marry? To those who are in the middle of a career change, or those who are unhappy in their workplace, they want to know, what is the next step? Is it going to be in town, out of town, where it's going to be, who, what, where? Those who are contemplating going to college, you want to know, what is the will of God for you? Which is the college that God would have you go to? For those who may be feeling God's call upon them for a full-time ministry, they want to know when, how, where, and they want to know. Then there are those believers who are constantly living in turmoil. And they live in turmoil and they lack peace in their lives because they are often worried and concerned and wondering if they are in the perfect will of God or have they missed out on God's perfect will in their lives. Many of them go from one person to the next, from a counselor to counselor, from advisor to advisor, and they forever going around asking people to discern the will of God for them. They can go up between 10 to 20 people asking them, what do you think the will of God for me is? What do you think of the will of God for me is? You know what? Most times when you go to so many people, you're often going to get conflicting advice. I remember one time, More than 20 years ago, I was going through a restless time, and I wasn't sure about things. And this dear friend of mine told me about a man. He said he actually can literally close his eyes and then bring you a message from the Lord, tell you exactly what God wants you to do. Well, you know, I was desperate. I said, okay. (laughs) So he put him on the phone, and and I I sat down, and I began to listen to this dear friend, and and, um, whom I've never met. And I'm sure he closed his eyes. I didn't see him. But, and he said, okay, Michael. And then he began to tell me what I need to do because that's what God wants me to do. Now, folks, I want to tell you, he was wrong. <laughs> he sent me on a wild goose chase which was not the will of God at all. So be careful. Be very careful. I have to teach you from my mistakes so you don't have to repeat them. Be careful of anyone who tells you that God told them to tell you to do this or so. Run for your life. (laughs) Most often people who do this kind of thing either deluded or they want to manipulate you or both. That's why you need to run from them. I remember in the early days of the church, 
We just started. There were a few people in the church at the time were visiting and coming and going. And uh, I had few of those people who were forever handing me a note at the end of the service and said, the word of the Lord for you today. And one particular lady, bless her heart, she made a habit of that. And I would just try to be polite. I'll take it and put it in my pocket. I said, thank you very much. Sometimes I read, sometimes I didn't. Most times I didn't. And, uh, but then finally I said, I said, now listen, <laughs> I talked to the Lord for an hour this morning. He's never mentioned such a thing. Well, that cured her, thank goodness. <laughs> but listen, it is important to know your God as the guiding God. He is our guidance. We have begun a series of messages which I'm calling God Talk. And we saw in the very first message that the sovereignty of God is the hub around which all of God's attributes revolve. Then we saw the holiness of God upon which all of our lives should be molded and modeled. And today we're going to see the guidance of God upon which all of our decisions should be based. It is absolutely wrong for a child of God who truly wants to obey the will and the Word of God in their life to live in turmoil regarding their wanting to discern the will of God in their life. Look, wanting to discern what God has for you next is fine. It's healthy. It's admirable. It's commendable. It's wonderful. And I can't think of any more adjectives to give you. It's great. But getting yourself into spiritual frenzy in trying to discern the will of God. I want to know the will of God. I want to know what of God. And you go from counselor to counselor, advisor to advisor, friend to friend, and frantically trying to find out what the will of God is. That's wrong. That is immature. And it is spiritually unhealthy. You see, living in fear is not the will of God for you. Period. But living in fear, lest you're going to bring upon yourself spiritual ruin because you missed out on God's perfect plan for your life. That is not of God. That is not of God. Let me give you a common scenario that many of you will identify with this. I identify with this in certain stages in my Christian walk. Here's a common scenario. You go to the Lord and you pray and say, Lord, I want to know your will. I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. And I want you to just let me know that this is you and not a trick of the devil. So God answers your prayer. And then he opens a door for you. And you go through that door. (laughs) And then you got through this door and things really didn't work out as you would have liked them to work out. So you go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what happened, but obviously things are not working out. Could you please help me? I want to discern your will. I want to know where you're leading me. I want to know what the next step is. Please, Lord, hear my prayer. And the Lord does. He hears your prayer. And what does he do? He opens another door. And you go through this second door. And things work out. And you have peace. And you have joy. And you are being used of God. And you can see an opportunity for witnessing. And things are really working great. What is the most common understanding or comprehension or description of the door number one? What do most people think? You made a mistake, right? 
Wrong. (laughs) You did not make a mistake at all. You did not make a mistake. Sometimes in order for you to get through door number two, God has to take you to door number one. Somehow, if you think that door number one was a mistake, if you think that door number one was a waste of time, if you think that door number one was a terrible disaster, you're on the wrong track. Now, I'm not talking about disobedience and sin here. I'm talking about just discerning the mind of God for things in your life. That's wrong thinking. If you sought the Lord with all your mind, and if you inwardly wanted to obey the Lord and His will in your life, whatever it may be, you have made that decision based on obedience at the time, then door number one was never a mistake. It was never a mistake. Door number one was the sovereign God's way of taking you to door number two. For reasons known only to the sovereign Lord, he allowed you to go through door number one in order to get you to door number two. I want to give you an illustration from my own life. In 1967, I was praying for a while, and the Lord, I sensed his will in my life to come to the United States. So I worked hard, I planned, I organized, I set my sights on doing exactly what I thought God was leading me to do. Then the Six-Day War broke. Now, some of you might not know about the Six-Day War in between Israel and the Arab neighbors, you know. They, we don't call it the Six-Day War. We call it the Six-Day Run. <laughs> because that's the Arabs ran and the Israelis ran after them. <laughs> so we call it the Six-Day Run. You call it the Six-Day War. There was no war. Well, anyway, when that broke, it, it was impossible for me to even pursue this any further. The American Embassy closed down altogether. So what do I do? I'm missing out on God's best, right? To cut the long story short, by the way, God opened another door, and I had to settle for Australia. Australia. Yeah. I thought to myself, I am missing out on God's best for my life. I am missing out on what I believe God was will for my life. Maybe I should have knocked on that door a little harder. Maybe even I should have tried to beat it down a little bit. And I kind of regretted the fact that I didn't do this and I didn't do that and I didn't do the other thing. And I did what most Christians do, try to be in regret. But that didn't last for very long. Was that a mistake for me to go to Australia? I said, Lord, I obey you wherever you take me. I will go. I used to sing that song. Where he leads me, I will follow. Now what happened? What happened to all this sanctimonious talk that... I was, I was going to want to call it sanctimonious dribble. When he led me now, I'm thinking that I missed on God's best in my life. What is the truth here? God knew that he's not going to get me through number, door number two until first I've gone through door number one. Because it is in his sovereign will for it to be so. God had to take me to Australia, then to the United States. Was door number one a mistake? Not on your life. Because as soon as I got there, I met and married what is to me the most wonderful woman on the face of the earth. I received the finest 
theological training anywhere in the world. I've experienced, I've learned lessons that I could never have been able to learn anywhere else in the world. You see, God had to take me through door number one in order to get me to door number two. And whenever God leads you, it is not a mistake. Don't live in regret. Don't ever sit and wonder. Don't waste your time on regrets. But do you know what the number one secret to knowing the will of God in your life is? Do you want to know what the secret is? The number one secret for knowing the will of God is your inward willingness to obey the will of God when he shows it to you. I'm going to unpack that, okay? You say, how is that a secret? Well, first of all, before I answer the question, I want you to know that you can never learn inward obedience in your life or inward willingness for obedience for the will of God in your life. You cannot learn that from books, and I write books. You cannot learn that from sermons, and I love preaching. You cannot learn that developing that inward obedience for the will of God in your life from running to counselor to counselor or advisor to advisor or a friend to friend. You won't learn it that way. You cannot develop inward willingness to obey the will of God in your life by listening to someone who claims that they have seen a vision for you or they have seen a dream for you or have a word from the Lord for you. You can only develop that inward willingness when you spend time with God and His Word. So the secret of knowing the will of God is inward willingness to obey the will of God. And only then will you discern Because that comes not from running around, but from spending time with His Word. And you know what He's going to teach you? He's going to teach you some things you don't want to hear and you don't want to learn. He's going to teach you that where you are right now is the will of God for you. (laughs) You see, there's a scripture that I hope you memorize and that you let it seep deep into your heart and into your mind and into your soul. And it's Psalm 25, verse 9. It's a wonderful, wonderful... I could stand here and give you dozens of texts from the Scripture about the will of God, but here's one. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. You see, if you allow the Holy Spirit of God to take this verse and let your mind, your heart, and your spirit feel it deeply... Think through it. Meditate on it. Practice it. You will have the greatest blessing as you walk with the Lord. I promise you. Another word for humble is the word obedience. You can take humble out and replace it with obedience and you find the same meaning. If inwardly I am willing to obey the will of God in my life, whatever it may be, including where I am right now, then I would not spend one second doubting whether God will guide me in every step in my life. I would not spend one second trying to know what the next step is. It makes no difference to me. Listen to what Jesus said in John 7, 17. John 7, 17. Here's what Jesus said. I want to give you a homespun translation so you get it. If anyone is willing to do God's will... He will have discernment. 
He'll have discernment. Of course, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in the fact that they are not following the will of God and therefore they don't have discernment regarding His authority that He is the Messiah, the Son of God. But John 7, 17 tells you all you need to know about discerning the will of God. What is it? Willingness to do the will of God. But here's the problem. And this is a problem for all of us. At some point in our lives, I know that was a problem for me some time ago. You know what the problem is? The problem with most of us is that we secretly, secretly want or wish that God will obey our will. (laughs) We secretly crave that God would bless our plans. We secretly desire that God will just come around to our way of thinking. (laughs) If he can only just understand what I want him to do for me, we would have good times together. (laughs) When I talk to people, and I hear and I listen very carefully, and somebody would say to me, Michael, I really, 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 really want to know and do the will of God in my life. I say, really, really, really? Yeah, really, really, really. I want to know. So what's the trouble? Well, the trouble is I want out of my current job. (laughs) I want out of my current situation. I want out of my current circumstances. I want out. I want to marry this particular person. Or I want this particular business deal to work out. I want this. I want that. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just told me that you really, 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 really want to know and obey the will of God. (laughs) Yes. Then how do you know? That it is not the will of God for you to be where you are right now. In the job that you're in. In the situation that you're in. the circumstances you're in. How do you know that? Oh, no, 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 Michael, you just don't understand. Michael, you really don't understand. I am miserable where I am. I'm not a stranger to miserable situations. (laughs) If you want to read more about that, get my book if God is in control. You read all about it. Do you want to do the will of God or do you want God to do your will? That's the question that you need to ask yourself today. Do you really want to do the will of God or do you want God to do your will? I read this week, in fact, about an architect who was complaining bitterly about how so many of his clients, they come in and they ask him to design a house for them. He said, but they really have already made up their mind what kind of a house they want. They already have the design in their minds. He said, all they wanted for me is to sanction their plan. And they want the satisfaction of seeing me draw their plan on paper. (laughs) And you know what? We do the same thing with God. We really do. We ask for wisdom and we ask for guidance and we ask for direction. But in reality, we want God to bless our plans. You know, I've learned through the years that when I am in a situation where I am not really fulfilled and happy, I learned to know what it is to rejoice in the Lord until God himself opens another door. I've learned to be contented where I am. And you know what God does during that time when you think you're miserable and you want to jump ship and you want to get out and you want this and want that? You know what God is doing? He's teaching you. 
He's instructing you. He's molding you. He's training you. He's testing you. Do you know why? Because God guides us. We don't guide Him. (laughs) We obey Him. He does not obey us. God is sovereign and He is in control of us. We are not in control of Him. It's arrogance to think that we can control God. The sovereign God moving things in our lives for His purpose and for our good because He loves us so. Of course, there are some things that have been settled in the Scripture, and for you and I to pray for God's will about these matters is a sin. It really is. Issues that are settled in the Scripture are not the issues you go and pray and ask the will of God about. Let me give you some examples. The Bible does not tell you whom to marry, and you have to spend time with God and discern and seek and obey His will. But it is clearly in the Scripture, and it tells you not to cohabitate with that person before you marry them. Fornication is condemned in the Scripture. You don't have to ask the will of God for that. The Bible may not tell you whether you should become a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer or a salesman or whatever. But the Bible tells you you can't be a thief. You can't be a prostitute. You can't be anything that is hurting people. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, God's will for you is your sanctification. And therefore, anything that's going to hinder your Christ-likeness sanctification process is not the will of God. Back to the things that are not clearly spelled out in the Scripture. When you are inwardly willing to obey the will of God, even if you don't like it, but if you inwardly willing to obey it. When you're inwardly willing to obey the will of God, even when you think that you're making a mistake or you have made a mistake, God takes the so-called mistakes and He, in His economy, weaves them around and He makes a stairwell out of them to His purpose in your life. And therefore, you need to understand that sure, there are some practical things, and I'm going to share some of those with you right now very quickly, that you need to go through as you're making a decision. But ultimately, when you make a decision, in obedience to the Lord, even if it's not the ultimate door, it's His way of getting you through to that door. Let me give you seven questions that I ask myself when I'm making a major move in my life. As I said, I teach you from my failures. Number one, I ask myself the question, is this the best way for me to serve the Lord? Secondly, I ask myself, is this consistent and not contradictory to God's Word? And the third question, will I be able to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ in that circumstance? And the fourth question is this, do I have the confirmation of a godly Christian leader, not two dozen people. Number five, has God set restless spirit within me in order to prepare me for the move, but the move is not yet? Number six, do I have inner peace toward the matter? And finally, has God opened the door wide 
or am I trying to beat it down? But beloved, I want to tell you, whatever you do, I want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you. If you forget everything else that I've said, I don't want you to forget what I'm going to tell you. God is a covenant God. God is a covenant God. And when you may be terrified about making a mistake, if you are willing to obey His will, He will redeem even the so-called mistakes God can take these so-called mistakes and he uses them as stepping stones for you to get to his purpose. I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to conclude. F.B. Meyer, one of the great men of yesteryear, one night he was crossing the Irish Channel on a boat and it was a dark night. It was a starless night and he was wondering how in the world is the boat going to make it? And so he went to the captain. He said, Captain, how in a dark night like this, how can you know where Hollyhead Harbor is? And the captain said something very simple. He said, look at those three lights over there. Can you see those three lights? He said, yes. He said, when all those three lights line up together as one, when we see them in unity, we know the exact position of the harbor's mouth. And Meyer said something to the effect that whenever you want to know the will of God in your life, three things must line up. Inner peace, the word of God, and the need of the hour. So what is the secret of discerning the will of God? It's an absolute inward willingness to obey the will of God whatever it may be, including being where you are right now. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you did not leave us rudderless. We thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to speak to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in your mercy and in your grace, You have planned it and planned our lives in such a way that we cannot see it all at once. Often you show us only one step at a time. But Father, if we have a desperate need today, it is for you to teach us how to develop an inward willingness to obey your will and to wait upon you as you lead us, step by step. Father, I pray if there's some person here today who does not know you, who doesn't have the joy of the forgiveness of their sins and eternal life for their future, that this will be the day they will come to you as the Savior and Lord and repent of their sins. And Lord, we thank you that you are more anxious to answer our prayers than we are to pray. We thank you that you're sovereign. We thank you that you're holy. And we thank you that you're a guiding God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.